you to grab your Bibles, and um, we often stand on the reading of the Word, but we're going to be looking at several scriptures, and so I'd like you to have a chance to get your Bibles. Philippians chapter 3 is our, <clears throat> is our starting point, and so, of course, we will use our one screen that's, that's going. We're very close to getting the second one back up, then they've replaced it. Um, and, uh, hold on, <laughs> hallelujah. All right. So <clears throat> today we're talking about forward in a new year. Can you say that with me? Forward in a new year, forward in a new year, a revival of spiritual victories and righteousness. And what's happening, what I'm noticing around us is that what Satan is doing is what he has always done is trying to get people to think that what they used to believe no longer matters. That things they once believed, that now it doesn't really matter anymore. And so they can change the way they dress, or they can change the way they've acted, or they can start uh, using language they never used before, or even uh, changing their whole approach to, to faith. They used to pray a lot. They, they, don't know, they no longer pray a great deal. And then we, we call this justification. We justify our not praying because we're busy or our money or we're so important, we don't have time to pray. Listen, the more important you are, the more you need to pray. But we're in a world where people, it's, but there's nothing new about any of this. The, the, the great writer of Proverbs said there's nothing new under the sun. Everything, uh, it, just, it just sort of comes back around, as it were. Like tonight, we're going to be back into our uh, final messages in the book of Judges, which says they did that which, which was right in what? Their own eyes. Of course, that's just another way of saying they did whatever they wanted to do. Or you could say they, they thought their view of what was right was what they should do, not what God says. And so that's the world in which we live. But, but of course, the focus today is a revival, but he say revival that see revival is important because it brings you back to the, the very it revives or it renews uh, the truth and the things of God in your life. How many knows that for many years they, the world was telling us there was no such thing as speaking in tongues a little over 100 years ago. They were uh, when when uh, let's see, this is 2020. So it's 100 and about 120 years ago. Uh, the, there were very, very few people known to speak in other tongues. There were people. I mean, we know that. I went to the university uh, in Chicago uh, and studied under Dr. Edith Blumhofer, and she had written a book in at Harvard in her, uh, she was somebody of God uh, uh, student, and uh, she went to Harvard. She was, uh, she's well known around the world as a historian. She now works for the Pew Foundation. And, and she eventually became, in my uh, uh, studies at the university, she became an a, a, a advisor to me. She led me through my own uh, writing of my own master's thesis and so on. And she's, she's well-known all over the world. And she had written a book about how many places in history that there were outbreaks for generations where people were speaking in other tongues. In some cases, they had to run and hide and so on. But how many knows the truth is always there? 
The truth is marching on. So the, the idea forward means that we don't just drop everything and run forward, but we re, moving forward means to carry with us the spiritual values and righteousness that revival brings. Is anybody anxious for loved ones to be saved and for power in your own life? Well, this is how it happens. Now, there's no better time to could think about it than, than a time like this. And so I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to be looking at several things in the during January that have to do with how to move forward, what it what it will take to move forward. And we're going to begin with this lesson today. Um, and so it is. Um, we're going to also another thing that's on my heart is to uh, begin a series in the first quarter where we're going. I know it's going to shock you. Just hold just kind of buckle the seatbelt just like, like that. OK, because you're going to just be stunned. And you will not believe it. You're going to say, I can't believe Brother French is going to do that. But I'm going to be teaching a series on the details of prophecy. See how stunned you are? You could barely even receive it. We're going to talk about what is coming in the future. We're just going to take one thing, then the next thing, and what the, how we know from the Bible. For example, will there be a tribulation? Will there be a rapture? We're going to take each of the events. We're not going to speculate about all kinds of things. We're just going to look at the actual events that are about to unfold and, what, and how people are trying to get around it. And how people, for example, many churches... Uh, that are not what I call truly Bible-believing churches, they'll say, well, the Bible says it's a rapture, but they're not really a rapture. Uh, it's just going to be a time when it got, you're going to feel the Lord. and He's going to come to your heart or something like that. Well, no, he's not coming to your heart. If you wanted to come to your heart, you better do that before the rapture because he's coming to this world, and he's going to take his people out of here. So we're going to be doing that, a number of things that will, I believe, help us to get ourselves in a place where we can... Uh, move forward in revival. And God's going to help us. Can you say amen? All right, now, first of all, let's turn to Philippians 3, and I want to read it, and I want to change a couple words. In other words, I want to retranslate. So you're going to be able to see it. Can you see that? Let me look. See, I can see that. I can see that. Okay. It's, it's, actually, it's almost too small, but we, we'll give this a try for right now. Now, <clears throat> The, uh, the question is, what are the keys for us to, to press forward? Now, here's what Paul said. And, of course, we, I know we used this last time. We're, gonna, we're coming back to it. Not as though I had already attained. Everybody say attained. So Paul says, it's not like I've already attained. And, uh, and that word means what? What does attain, to attain something mean? See, it basically just means to achieve it or to accomplish it. So I haven't, I have, or you, or you might think of it as I, I haven't quite got a hold of it. See, uh, you could think of it that way because this analogy that Paul is using is someone that's stretching like in a race and they're reaching out for it. See, and so that's okay too. What I'm trying to tell you is that it, it, Paul is saying I haven't already done it. I haven't already gotten it. I, I'm reaching now. This is very important. Some people think this is the biggest. Tells people, because you're not perfect, you might as well quit. 
That's what he tells people every single day. There are people right now in bar rooms that are sitting there because they think because they're weak and because they can't do it and they never measure up and other people are goody-goody that they, there's no reason for them to try. And that is a lie from hell because it's only in the attempting, it's only in the pressing that you are able to move forward. Because if you're sitting in a bar room and if you're throwing your standards away, you're going backward. You're not going forward. So I don't, Paul said, I haven't already achieved it. <coughs> I, I, oh. I haven't already achieved it. I haven't already attained it. I haven't accomplished it yet. I haven't, in other words, we could say I haven't finished my race. Folks, we're in a race. If you throw holiness away, you've just, you lost the race. If you throw the Bible away, you've lost the race. Hallelujah. But guess what? There's a church that's moving on in Jesus' name. Praise God. So it's not as though I've already attained. Either we're already perfect, but I follow after. Now, this word, I know that you understand. I'm not thinking that we're, we're dunces here. I'm simply trying to make as much clarity as possible. I, I follow after, or actually we could say here, I press forward. In other words, I'm, I'm coming from back here. That's why the King James went with after. I'm following after. I'm coming from way, there's the Lord way over there. But I'm pressing forward. I'm following after him because he's the one, he's the one that's leading. How many knows that we're Christians here today? That we need to be like the Lord. Let's lift our hands and tell the Lord. Lord, I want to be like you in all that I'm doing. Lord, I pray that the church will see the greatest revival that it has ever seen. I pray that we will not be able to even comprehend the kind of changes that's going to come to people's lives. When Brother Marler was here, Sister French and I were able to spend more time with him than we have in quite a while. And Sister Marler had a stroke so severe that she really didn't even know she was in the world or who she was. She certainly didn't know anybody for a very, very long time. And the doctors were basically going to move her into hospice. I don't know how many times they were moving her into hospice. And then one day the Lord just healed her. I mean, she just woke up and said, what's going on around here? <laughs> Whoa, Jesus. And we were talking about uh, the the. Uh, the sermon that he preached some years ago when we were all in Indianapolis for some years, I was uh, head of the Bible school there, and, and uh, he was in, in, in one of the uh, main uh, instructors and preachers, and he taught preaching and so on. And he preached a sermon at one of our big meetings where he preached uh, uh, the idea of, uh, I don't remember, <laughs> I call it hold the fort. What did you call it? You didn't call it hold the fort. Keep the lights. Okay, that's what he actually called it. All right. So he preached, so keep the lights on. In other words, if your kids wander away and you turn the lights out, they may never find their way back. See, that was the whole idea. But he also used in it, and this is what stuck in my mind, was the idea of holding the fort. If you give up the fort, then there's nothing for anybody to come back to. I mean, they're all, you're, they're all just strewn out there. Their carcasses are everywhere. And so he, he was, what he was saying is that you've got to hold on because God is going to bring them back. And that's exactly the kind of faith we have to have. Many, I believe the Lord has given us a vision. 
And this vision is from heaven. The devil hates it. He doesn't want me to say it. But the Lord is going to restore everything the devil has taken from you. He's going to restore it. Someone said, well, it's a new day. It's a new hour. I've been hearing this. I'm 60. What the, who cares how old I am? I'm old enough to know. And people have said, well, uh, you know, it's a new day. And we just have to change with the times. And everybody's changing. That's a lie. It's not true. Number one, everybody's not changing. Because the truth never changes. Is anybody, follow, anybody listening to me? Someone told me the other day, an apostolic, they didn't believe in creation. They believed it all evolved. And they said, well, that's a lie. Now, you can say that and preach that all day long, and you will get no victories from that. In fact, it will bring nothing but chaotic, just like it's doing in, in our world today. You want to believe it because it's easier to believe it because the world accepts that. If, if the world were eating tennis shoes... There are people that would be eating tennis shoes. Did that, was that forceful enough? <laughs> I was trying to say that forcefully. It's kind of hard to say that forcefully. That's true. Years ago, I had a little cartoon. I forget where it is, but it was a guy. A, one of my favorite cartoonists when I was young was a guy named Sky Cal. And I believe he was out of Chicago, but he may have been L.A. It's something like that. And he has a little cartoon where these kids are over there just leaning up against the wall. And they're smoking their tennis shoes. And the one guy's going, you know, they're really cool because they're smoking. The, and, of course, it looks absurd. It's totally ridiculous. But the fact of the matter is we got people smoking tobacco, sticking it right in their lungs, just like this. A big old, and, it, and the cigarettes aren't good enough. they got to have a cigar that's half the size of their arm. And some of the cigarettes are that long. And then they suck it down. And the more they smoke, the more proud they are. Their fingers turn brown. They're even happier. Well, that's as ridiculous to me, of course, as smoking your tennis shoe. The point is that if the world says it's okay, it's, for example, how many knows that we're in a, uh, all this legalization of, of marijuana and drugs and so on? You know what all that is? That's an admission that we cannot change our sinful selves. And so people are saying, well, you know, so after, I don't know how many deaths it's going to take of people on the highway, of people so strung out on marijuana they couldn't drive before Illinois and the rest of the world realizes, hey, we've just done something very tragic here. It's just like the moral standards that we have where pornography and evil, all, the, all these things and cheating on your wife and your husband, all these things are considered just perfectly normal and part of the daily routine. But, but the truth never changes. He's a holy God. He requires us to obey his, his rule. And when we do, when we stand up and we say, I'm going to believe the word of God. See, the devil wants you to think, oh, well, you can't live up to that, see, so you might as well quit. That's the biggest lie the devil ever perpetrated. Paul said, I haven't attained. Here's the greatest preacher of all time except for Jesus. I'm not perfect. I haven't achieved it yet. But I do press forward. I follow after that I may apprehend. Everybody say apprehend. That's the second word I want us to think about. That I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended. Now, this is a, a, a little bit of an awkward way to translate this. Uh, if you say I, that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended, uh, it's exactly right, but it's hard in, for us to quite click what 
what the, what the Greek is actually saying. So let's look at the word apprehend for a moment. It means to possess it or to own it. And that's, uh, uh, that helps us to get an, a handle on what Paul is saying. So let's just use, uh, let's use possess. So, so that I may possess, I want to actually, I want to possess the very thing that God wants me to have. That's really all he's saying. It's just so simple. I want to possess it. I, I want to have what God wants me to have. Well, there's only one way, and that's to press forward for it. If you, he's using the analogy, I'm, I'm stretching forward. I've got to, I want what God has for my life. Well, there's only one way, and that's to stay in the race. You've got to run the race. You get out of the race, you're not going to apprehend it. You're not going to possess it. You're never going to own it. It's going to always be elusive. And the devil will keep telling you, well, drink that last drink, and then, then you can serve God. You'd be surprised how many people think, well, someday, one, one day, someday I'm, I'm going to go back to that altar. I'm going to find me a church. And, and then someday it never comes, you know. Tomorrow is the song set. Isn't there a song that says that? Tomorrow, tomorrow. Anyway, I, my, <laughs> I certainly don't know my worldly songs. Um, tomorrow never comes. Isn't that a song or something? Sounds like I ought to write it. Tomorrow never comes. It just uh, didn't Brooke, Garth Brooks or somebody write a song. Have you ever heard that? Tomorrow never comes. There's a Christian song tomorrow. By the Winans. Tomorrow might be today, but that's another sermon, and I'm preaching. This is the I'm preaching this sermon. Um, all right, so so the devil wants us to believe a lie that uh, either it's out of my reach, or one of these days I'll have an opportunity. Uh, Genesis said, "I'm not I'm not going to strive with you forever." I'm not going to, no, I'm not striving with you forever. America's, America's days are numbered because we're a sinful nation. Now, are people turning to God? Yes. And is there hope? Yes. But America is in trouble because it's becoming an evil people. We're becoming an evil people. Now, I don't mean by that the whole nation, everybody in the nation, or you or me. I'm trying to tell you that God will judge evil. He will judge evil. He'll judge it in me. So what do I do? I don't say, oh, you're evil. I'm good. Oh, be good. You bad. No, no. What I do is I say, Jesus, I want to be like you in everything. I want to I want to possess what you have, what you gave me. I want to possess it. I want to have it. Listen, Christmas morning, I didn't even flinch when they said, because we passed gifts out and, and, and all the grandkids are there and all the kids and some of the neighbors. You know, anyway, they're all in there. And they're all who, what you, and then, oh, we're going to pray for an hour first. And I want to tell the Christmas story. Hallelujah. That doesn't go over very well, but so I said, well, okay, I'm going to pray for 30 seconds. How about that? And then they can hardly wait. But the, the first one, and they say, this is to grandpa. I don't say, oh, 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 oh. Oh, I'm just, oh, oh, I'm just, oh, I'm so unworthy. I grab that. <laughs> Grandpa, that's me. See, I take it. I just take hold of it. It's mine. Somebody was, gave that to me. Hallelujah. Oh. 
Oh, my Lord, have mercy. So, you know, <laughs> so it's a little, uh, so the baby got a little something and wrote on it. You know, Sister French, I've noticed this. Some of our refrigerator, I'm not, it's not criticism, honey. I'm not trying to criticize you. Some of, uh, I would never do that. Some of our uh, uh, refrigerator memorabilia is so old. I mean, it's so old that when you look at it, you're like, who, I, who did that? I'm looking at it, and it's like a little smudge, and you can see kind of like the, do you know that you have like wrinkles right here? And, and you press that in and, and they say, who, who, oh, can't you see that at the bottom? I know, but it looks like Hebrew. And she said, oh, that says Julia. Oh, Julia, was she alive? Was she born yet? When, when did she do this? And that's still on the fridge. Now, actually, <laughs> it's kind of sweet. I'm just kind of carrying on, but. But that means something. It means something. I was thinking the other day that uh, uh, I had uh, my, not my own mother, but what called her mom my whole life. But my wife's mom uh, had hymn books that she kept all her life. She had, I forget the number, I have to go look. And, but anyways, a lot. And. And I would always kind of tease about it. Oh, I wish I had those. Oh, I wish I had those. Because <laughs> I collect them. And I've collected them all over the world. And, and, uh, and I've, now I've got about 200. But, I, but when she gave me her, when she passed, she, somehow, I mean, I don't know how it all worked out. But I was the, my name was on it or something. And I got those. And I was, uh, they're in my library here in the church. And I. Uh, I was looking through them, and all I could think of was the, all the wonderful memories, all the times I walked in there and and uh, said, uh, "I got to go to Canada this week, and I'm going to be taking your baby. I, I got, we got to go. I, I know that, you know." And one time we called him from what, what, what was it? Uh, I don't know if it was Boston or so. Where were we? On the corner? Was that Ohio? We were on the corner, and 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 and, and it was we didn't have cell phones. And if, if they'd have had them, we couldn't afford them. And, and we couldn't even afford uh, a chicken enough to, <laughs> and maybe a biscuit. So, uh, and yet we were just going and preaching, you know, and we didn't have anything, hardly. And they would say, oh, you know, I could see it in their eyes. Oh, brother, oh, Talmadge, I know you're, thank God you're called because we're sending our daughter to who knows where, who knows what. And then when the grandkids came along, when we moved to Chicago and started that church, the very first that we moved in there, I was 27 years old and, and, and left the evangelistic field. My last sermon in December, at Christmas, my last revival. And then we drove to Chicago. I'll never forget it. And they said, we want to go with you. We're going with you. All that just flooded my soul as I thought about mom over there singing those songs in the glory world. And the precious memories you see, they have value. See, they don't have value to you, but they have value to me. That little smudge, that has value. And when God gives us something, it has value. 
It's amazing to me that people say, I don't, someone said this recently, and, and I'm sitting there, you know, and you'd be surprised how the preacher has to control himself sometimes. They said to me, I don't care what the Bible says. So my actual answer was this. To, this was controlled, by the way. Uh, I, that was obvious, is what I said. <laughs> they didn't care what the Bible said. I said, that's quite obvious. But I said, it should matter to you. It better matter. I, mean, I didn't say, I, I, I kind of you know, made it a little sweeter. I put a little sugar in there somewhere. But the fact of the matter is, hey, if the Bible says it, now, am, am I perfect? No, I'm not perfect. I haven't, I haven't attained it. But I got news for you. I'm not giving up revival for any old devil. This world's not taking my Holy Ghost. I've got a vision of a future, and God gave it to me. Hallelujah. What's that song? <laughs> I'm on a, oh, the new year, we're into it. The new song, Sister French, just me and you. We're going to have a whole year of it. Hallelujah. But remember that old song we used to sing? Um, oh, the world didn't give it to me. Remember that? Why don't we sing that anymore? Why are we singing all this stuff? The world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. And then there's a little bit of a drum roll in there. I could play it myself. Oh, the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. Are there more words than that, or do I have to just keep singing that? Is that all you know? <laughs> well, maybe that's why we're not singing it. But anyway, uh, I want to tell you something. The world didn't give this to me. <laughs> Hallelujah. The devil didn't give it to me, and he's not taking it away. I got this from heaven, and I'm on my way to heaven. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, that must have been a long excursion because my computer has said, where are you? Let's see if that works. Hallelujah. Okay, now we're back to Philippians 3. But I follow after. In other words, I keep pressing. I'm pressing forward because I want to possess it for that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Could we just thank the Lord that he, that he got a hold of us? He possesses us. And he wants to give us something. Praise God. Lord, I thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. Brethren, and now right, right in the middle here. Come on, let's get this new, you new year going good here. So brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I'm not bragging. I'm not saying I'm somebody. It's not why we're preaching this. But this one thing I do. By the way, arrogance is destroying the apostolic church. This idea that we're so proud of ourselves and our buildings are so gorgeous and we got so many people. It's killing us. I, I see people saying, I don't, I know Brother Cole preached that, but I'm not going to keep preaching that. Hey, folks, nothing new about that. They were doing that when I was in the Assembly of God. Did it every day. And you can't tell them from a Baptist church today because they just kept compromising and compromising. You can back yourself into a corner you can't get out of. What we need to do is press forward, hallelujah, in Jesus' name. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Everyone said amen.
Praise God. So it is. We must press forward. Now, let's look at a few ways that we must do this or ways that let's call these keys. Everybody say keys. All right. Let's turn to Matthew 17 and you can follow me here if you'd like. But uh, grab your Bible. Let's get the year going right. You you keep a Bible going and we'll we'll look at some scriptures together. Now, of course, I've used this recently in a different context, but I feel to use it here today that faith is powerful enough to move your mountains that are in your life. Does anybody believe that God can heal anything? Does anybody here believe that God can do anything? Praise God. He can do anything if we follow him. But if we're carnal, sinful, then he won't do it. He didn't promise us that if we don't care about faith, he'll do it anyway. He didn't say that. He will do it because we call upon him if you have faith. So listen to this. The disciples, uh, then came his disciples to Jesus they tried to cast a demon out and said, why could we, why could not we cast him out? And then verse 21, 21, 20, and Jesus said this, because of your unbelief. So the first thing we need to do is to keep a lookout for, we might call it, well, let's say unbelief, but we could, even, we could say disbelief, um, for example, someone could say they had disbelief on their face. They couldn't believe it. In other words, someone says, I can't believe it. That's a pretty common expression. Unfortunately, you know, that uh, we may hear something and, oh, I can't believe that. Oh, my goodness. But this goes even deeper that something that ought to be true and God says is true, we deny it. So because of your unbelief. Now, this is a tremendous accusation to be to be thrown at the disciples the apostles themselves. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if, if you have faith, everyone say faith, if you have faith, now why would Jesus say all you need is faith the size of a grain of mustard seed? Now, you know that I'm pretty much a horticultural genius, but I don't want to you know, take all the credit here. But let's just assume that the, the seed of a mustard plant is very tiny. I mean, I don't mean if you saw the yellow, what looks like dust from the plant. That, that Of course, those are the seeds. But, but that little, you just took one of those little tiny seeds. Why would Jesus say that? Of course, it's hyperbole. It isn't about... The exact measurement of that. The point is that it doesn't take very much. You see, it doesn't take a great deal. If you have faith, praise God. And I feel faith in this in this house today. God is sending faith to the people of God in these last days. The church is stronger in spite of compromisers that with always been compromisers and sinners that and hypocrites. It's been, they've been around as long as there've been a world. Even Jesus, he had 12 and one of them was a deceiver. One of them betrayed him and he was crucified because he he betrayed him to to uh, to the Jews. But if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place. Now, stay with me. How many love the word of God here today? All right. 
Hallelujah. The rest of you need to love the word. Hallelujah. All right. So if you say, if you say to the mountain, remove hence to yonder place. Now, how many know of anybody? No, 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 no. I'm asking you. Do you know anybody that caused a mountain to be lifted up and cast into any ocean? You know what that would cause? A tsunami. It would cause flooding over half of the, the region in which it took place. Does anybody know of a mountain that was lifted up and thrown into an ocean? Nope. Because that's not the point. The point was hyperbole. Nobody needs to lift a mountain. If you ever do, and I've said it before, Lord, if I ever get there, and I need it. The point is, it doesn't matter what it is. Just a little bit of faith, the, the, even the smallest amount of faith. Now, this to me is a, is a marvelous and tremendous thing that you having faith and trusting faith in God. In other words, it just takes faith. That to me is actually, Sister French, I think the bottom line is that, that it just takes faith. It isn't complicated. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to be intelligent. You don't have to be beautiful. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to have this world's goods. But you have to have faith. And when you have faith, you can do anything that you need to do. Now, I'm often challenged on this. When my son had cancer, a fellow said to me, if you had faith. See, he wanted me to just go over there and. One guy, uh, not me, but uh, actually, I won't say who it was. You know this, but I'm not going to tell you. Uh, so the preacher was at a big meeting, and they, the, these uh, guys came in that don't believe in healing. And you know who they are. I'm not going to say their names either. And so the, the brother, who was one of our great preachers at the time many years ago, uh, was saying God can heal anything. And the Bible's true, and we, we believe the Bible. And so the other preacher said, uh, well, um, and had this guy walked up and he was completely bald. And he came in and wondered, everybody's wondering what's happening. Well, the other church, by the way, you can go to their church and you can hear a pin drop. And so the bald-headed guy walked up and, and he said, okay, brother, you're so spiritual. You can do anything. I want you to grow hair on his bald head right now. That's what the that's what the other preacher wanted in order to prove if God could do it or would do it. That apostolic preacher had to grow hair on that bald head. And Brother Welch said, don't tempt the Lord thy God. You see, in other words, here's what it boiled down to. Now, I, now, let's leave that. I'm not blaming the preacher. He was wrong. He should have never done that. But, but let's leave that scene in a minute. So someone says to me, your baby has cancer. So God isn't God. That's what they were really saying. Now, I believe and know that God can heal. And God has healed. And God is the healer. But what they were saying is, I'm not going to believe in God until your baby is well. Then I might believe God. You know what I said to them? That particular person? I said, you wouldn't. I used what Jesus told the Pharisees. You wouldn't believe it even if I raised the dead. You wouldn't believe it. 
because you don't believe. You would not be convinced because someone is healed. You know what they do? They find a reason not. But if you believe, no devil can stop you from believing. They can tie you up and set the fire to the sticks and you still believe. I have faith. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our hands and tell the Lord about it. Lord, I want to believe you in the days ahead. I'm pressing forward and I am trusting you and I am praising you. Hallelujah. So remove into yonder place. Of course, this particular one doesn't say be cast into the sea. Of course, we know the other places it does say that. And it, and it shall remove. So I believe it. You see, God didn't say, well, there are some things you better not ask because, you know, they're just ridiculous. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. <laughs> one Christmas we were way up in like. Uh, the North Pole. What was that place? Uh, Canada. And we came down. We, we were coming down through Maine, the state of Maine. And a blizzard came in, a rainstorm. And we were sliding. Wasn't that Maine where I slid and the trailer went off into that ditch? And it was, oh, we had gotten to Illinois. And so uh, all I had was a broom. <laughs> were any of these people in the world? No, they weren't in the world. And so I said, honey, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I was so distraught. I brought my wife out in that, trying to get from one place to another, trying to preach the gospel. <laughs> you say, no, you were just a kook. What were you doing out in that? Well, we'll don't ask questions like that. So, uh, so I told Sister French, I said, you get behind the wheel. And I'm going to grab something. We were in a ditch. We were like, like this. And we had a trailer. We were pulling a trailer. With what? what were, was that our cutlass? Was that our blue cutlass? And the blue, it was the third transmission. And so we were like this. And, and, and it was, I mean, there was nothing. We were in, we might as well have been in Siberia. That's what it looked like. I'm, folks, you can, <laughs> it may be funny, but it was, it might as well have been Siberia. And here I was, and not, not, barely enough gas, I mean, here we were, and freezing, and the roads, I mean, the roads, it came on like an ice storm. It was like uh, it was freakish. It wasn't even snow. It just came down. It was snow, but then, then it turned uh, water, and then ice, and then froze, and the ice was, I mean, it was everywhere. It was just like the trees, everything, and we were out there, and I was like, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm, a, I'm out here by with my beautiful wife and we've committed to this and here I am all by myself and I had I looked in <laughs> I looked in the trailer I don't care get take this watch off of me take this watch and so uh, so I said honey all I've got is a broom and I thought oh so I went out and I started using the end you know the handle and I started Trying to pull snow away, pull snow. Of course, there was, we were, it, the snow was everywhere. This was Illinois, northern Illinois. And then the ice, and it was just a mess. And we kept trying. Ooh, and I, I got to back there and praying and crying and slobbering. Sister French was praying. I don't know. Maybe it was the two, two or three. Two or three. And I'd say, okay, hit it, you know. <laughs> we were really getting further and further. It's about to tip the thing into completely over in the ditch. 
And I said, Lord, I only got one more thing to do. I'm just going to stick this broom under there and hope it does something. <laughs> so I, and I stuck it under the wheel and I said, okay, here we go, one more time. And of course, the broom had already broken, so the, there was only what was left of it. And I stepped back, and I mean, I'd been crying, and I was so embarrassed, and, and I thought, Lord, I'll never tell this. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't tell it for many years. But anyway, so she pushed the gas, and I stepped back like this, and of course, I was freezing, no gloves. which we won't mention about that. And that car just, that trailer just started going like that. And I watched it and I thought, it almost looks like that trailer is going to pull right out of that ditch. And she just pulled that right out and right up on the road. I'm going to tell you, ever since that day, I've been giving God credit for a miracle that nobody would have even asked for. But, but God did it because that's what I needed that day. You know, my friend, God can take care of you. Let's stand together, shall we? And let's praise the Lord because i got to get out of here before the praise team comes in. Could we lift our hearts together right now and ask the Lord to give us a forward revival in 2020? Lord, right now I pray for every, everybody associated with this church. I pray, Lord, that the message that Brother Cole preached will be preached in this church. Lord, that we will stand up to every force that attempts to change the word of God. And give, we give you praise, Lord. You are able to help us and bless this people, each and every one, whatever their need. And we thank you, Lord, and we give you praise. Praise God.